0: I'm Nancy Cavey, National Orissa and Individual Disability Attorney. Welcome to this week's episode of Winning Isn't Easy. Before we get started, I've got to give you a legal disclaimer. This podcast is not legal advice. The Florida Bar Association says, I've got to say it, so I've said it. But nothing will ever prevent me from giving you an easy-to-understand overview of the disability insurance world, the games that disability carriers play, and what you need to know to get the disability benefits you deserve. So off we go. Now, in today's episode, I'm going to be exploring uh, what an ERISA Section 510 uh, claim might be, what a retaliation claim entails. And uh, I'm going to give you these uh, two specific insights about 510 claims. First is, can you bring an ERISA Section 510 retali- retaliation claim against your employer if you are terminated because of the costs of medical treatment? And the second insight I want to bring to you is the issue of whether you can sue your employer if they interfered with your rights to claim disability benefits. Got it? We'll be back in a second. Have you been robbed of your peace of mind from your disability insurance carrier? You owe it to yourself to get a copy of Robbed of Your Peace of Mind, which provides you with everything you need to know about the long-term disability claim process. Request your free copy of the book at kvlaw.com today. Welcome back to Winning Isn't Easy. Can you bring an ERISA 510 retaliation claim against your employer if you were terminated because of the cost of medical treatment? Well, ERISA Section 510 makes it unlawful for any person to discharge, fine, suspend, expel, discipline, or discriminate against a plan participant or beneficiary for exercising any right that they're entitled to or may become entitled to Uh, under the employer's ERISA plan or policy. So that sets the framework, but what is ERISA? Well, the Employee Retirement Income Security Act of 1974 uh, is a federal law. It governs uh, employer-sponsored benefits like group health, life, disability, and even pension benefits. Now, what's important for you to understand also, is that municipal employers like cities, counties, school districts, and states are exempt from ERISA, as are church plans. So we are, you know, dealing with a, a finite number of employers. Now, the employer's plans or policies in that situation is governed by applicable state law. So if you've got an ERISA section 10, 510 claim, the question is, how can it protect you? Now, They can come as part of a general wrongful discharge claim, an age discrimination claim, or a whistleblower action where the employee also is alleging that the employer has attempted to interfere with the employee's protected rights or benefits. That's normally how we see these claims come. Now, Section 502 of the ERISA statute is the enforcement provision for ERISA 510 violations. You and your beneficiary can bring a claim to recover benefits that can be due under the terms of the employer's plan, enjoin any action that might violate the ERISA statute, or obtain other equitable relief. What's that relief? Well, that relief can include a reinstatement to your former position if you're fired. However, the relief doesn't include punitive damages, compensatory damages, or even monetary damages. Back pay may also be available in the form of restitution. The question becomes, well, who's got the burden of proof, you or your employer? The burden of proof and the order of production of evidence in a Section 510 action is governed by one of two court-created analysis or theories. The first possible analysis or theory is done under what's called the Price Waterhouse Mixed Mode of Analysis. Sounds like a legal term, doesn't it? This is used when, you're, when you present direct evidence, such as conduct or statements by decision makers, reflecting a discriminatory attitude that could have influenced the ultimate decision to terminate you. If you prove that, then the burden of proof is going to shift. And that's going to shift to your employer to prove by a preponderance of the evidence that it would have made the same decision to terminate you absent uh, any alleged discrimination. Now, the second type and the more commonly used analysis is the McDonnell Douglas uh, analysis. That's known as the pretext analysis. Now this is most used uh, because many employers are just too smart to make comments or worse yet to document the discrimination. So as a result, we are often having to present circumstantial evidence to establish the discrimination. The employer then has to present legitimate reasons or reasons for your discharge. If the employer presents a legitimate reason for your discharge, then the burden shifts back to you. This is a shifting burden analysis. Then you have to prove by a preponderance of the evidence that the true motive, of your employer was to interfere with your ERISA benefits or your employment status. So how do you prove that causal connection, particularly in a health claim? Now, the key issue is going to be proving, as I said, that causal connection between the protected activity, i.e. the use of your benefits, and the adverse employment action that's taken by your employer against you. What's relevant in a health insurance claim? Well, Unfortunately, it's often a matter of who said what or who did what. Sounds common, like a dispute between kids. Now, some of the most common relevant evidence is who made the decision to terminate you? Are they typically involved in a termination decision? Did they have access to the plan or policy? What was the knowledge that the decision maker had about your health and or that of a covered uh, beneficiary, including any access they might have had to your health care expense information? What data did your employer have to evaluate the costs of the health care plan and the cost of this treatment and whether they monitor that on a group basis or an individual basis? How closely and how often did your employer monitor the costs of the premium, the costs of each participant and the beneficiary's health care costs to the employer? Does your employer do future healthcare cost projections for all employees or on an individual basis? And who gets that information? What is there in terms of internal correspondence, including emails, notes, or summaries of conversations that relate to your health, absenteeism, your health claim, uh, and ultimately the decision to terminate you? And you're looking in that written material for information about the basis of the termination. And any other evidence that might be relevant to a discrimination claim. Now there, that correspondence can also be internal. And what we're looking for there is information regarding the healthcare cost projections based on what they're going to cost. Your care is going to cost monitoring of costs and ways to reduce healthcare cost expenses. And of course, the another issue is, was your termination the part of a reduction in force and who else was terminated? That's quite a laundry list. But the question ultimately becomes, how does this laundry list really work in the real world? So we're going to take a quick break. And when I come back, I'm going to tell you the story of Thomas Karras and his employer, Southern Pine Trucking. So you see how all of this actually works in the real world. Got it? Let's take a quick break. Welcome back to Winning Isn't Easy. Now when suing your employer for discrimination or termination for exercising your ERISA rights to medical or disability benefits, I've explained that the court will use two possible tests with shifting burdens of proof. There's the Price Waterhouse Direct Evidence Test, or there's the McDonnell Douglas Pretextual Analysis. Um, And you could go back and listen to the first segment of this to kind of refresh your memory. But let's talk about what happened to Mr. Cares because of the cost a bilateral hip replacement. He was terminated and he filed a lawsuit and he filed both an employment discrimination claim and an ERISA section 510 retaliation claim after his employer had paid him an $11,458 performance bonus. They fired him one week later. Now, he had been diagnosed with degenerative arthritis in both hips. He had undergone one hip replacement surgery, which was covered by the company's self-insured health insurance plan. That's a magic word. Being self-insured means that Southern Pines Trucking paid every penny of the bill. Now, obviously, they had a natural incentive to keep costs low because it was coming out of their bottom line. When the company owner, Patrick Gallagher, learned of the first hip surgery, he was not happy. In fact, witnesses testified at the hearing that he was very, very upset. But things got worse when Gallagher learned that Cares was going to have a second total hip replacement, obviously on the other side. Gallagher was really unhappy that he was paying for not just one, but two total hip replacements. And that was going to cost at least $150,000. So less than one week after being paid this bonus, Cares was fired by Gallagher, who made the decision unilaterally. So Cares claimed in his lawsuit that he was fired both because of the cost of his first hip surgery and that Southern Pines wanted to avoid the cost of a second uh, surgery. So he was fired for using his ERISA disability benefits. After hearing testimony, the court decided in the case of Cares versus Southern Pines Trucking, this case out of Pennsylvania, uh, that Cares had met his burden of proof to show that his employer's reason for terminating him was pretextual and that the use of his ERISA Disability Group Health Benefits uh, played a role, a determinative role in the termination. And the judge found in his favor, awarding him $67,500 in lost wages and found that his employer had to pay for his attorney's fees and costs. Now, uh, the lesson here is don't give up. Don't let your employer get away from firing you just to deny you your ERISA disability insurance benefits. There is help. And obviously that help can come in the form of an experienced ERISA disability attorney, or an ERISA group health attorney, and an experienced ERISA attorney who understands 510 retaliation claims. Got it? There is help. Let's take a break. Are you a professional with questions about your individual disability policy? you need the Disability Insurance Claim Survival Guide for Professionals. This book gives you a comprehensive understanding of your disability policy with tips and to-dos regarding your disability application that will assist you in submitting a winning disability application. This is one you won't want to miss. For the next 24 hours, we are giving away free copies of The Disability Insurance Claim Survival Guide for Professionals. Order yours today at disabilityclaimsforprofessionals.com. Welcome back to Winning Isn't Easy. Can you sue your employer if they're interfered with your rights to claim disability benefits? Under ERISA Section 510, it's unlawful for an employer to retaliate against an employee for exercising their rights under an ERISA plan or policy and interfering with the employee's receipt of benefits. And obviously, that can be an issue both in group health claims and also an issue for disability benefits. So what happens if you're injured while driving your tractor trailer for your employer and you file a claim for your disability benefits? And it's denied on the basis that text messages you send about the accident and potential injuries fail to satisfy the plan requirement that the claim benefit be submitted in writing. Really? Well, can you sue your employer for retaliation or interference with protected rights And what do you have to prove in a Section 510 claim? Now, remember, in a Section 510 claim, you have to make a prima facie showing of a prohibited or adverse employer action, i.e. the termination. Action taken for the purposes of interfering with the attainment of your disability benefits and any right to which you were entitled to those benefits. So once you've done that, Once you've established the basis of the 510 claim, then the burden of proof is going to shift to the employer to establish a non-discriminatory reason or an explanation for its actions. Now, if the employer can establish a non-discriminatory explanation, then the burden is going to shift back to you to show that whatever the employer's explanation is, that it was a pretext and the real purpose was the denial of benefits. We've talked about this Pretextual denial process before. And it sounds like a ping pong match, right? To commit a prohibited or adverse action, the employer has to discharge, fine, suspend, expel, discipline, or discriminate against a participant or beneficiaries. That's the key. That's the analysis that we're always looking at. So how does an ERISA Section 510 retaliation or interference claim with protected rights work in the real world as it relates to disability benefits? Now, I started this segment by talking about the story of Ms. Cervantes. And she was a truck driver who delivered auto parts. Her employer offered her an insurance plan covered under the ERISA statute. And the plan required that when an employer or participant was involved in an accidental injury, that they had to do several things. They had to immediately report it in writing to their supervisor. And the failure to do so could subject the participant to disciplinary action, including termination, and a denial of benefits. So there were some significant consequences. The term immediately was defined to mean no later than 24 hours after the end of the shift during which the occurrence took place, the injury or the accident. So she was involved in a collision resulting in a personal injury and a property damage claim. And within hours following the incident, she called her supervisor to report the incident and she was instructed to undergo a drug test. She communicated via text message in writing to her supervisor and the owner of the company. She met with her supervisor at a drug testing facility near El Paso and completed the drug testing That was required. She texted her employer, providing the phone number and the name of the officer who responded at the scene of the accident. And she also sent photos of the text messages discussing the accident uh, to them and provided photographs to her employer. So there's a lot of communication here. Eleven days after the accident, she met with a supervisor to discuss, discuss the accident. And at that time, and only at that time, was she given an employee report of injury to complete. Now, she refused to sign it because it contained, as it often does, inaccurate and incomplete information about the incident. And ultimately, of course, her claim was denied on the basis uh, that the medical providers were not authorized and she hadn't timely reported the accident pursuant to the terms of the plan. Now, you got to really wonder about that, don't you? She appealed, and the appeal was denied, and the case ends up in federal court. So what does the court do? The court said, look, Ms. Cervantes had provided evidence that could lead to a conclusion that her employer interfered with her ability to meet the plan requirements. And that was because they prevented her from accurately completing the required form. And then, facing the benefit denial in part on the fact that she didn't sign the form. Now, the court also found that her text messages could meet the requirements of the plan and that the employer's denial of the claim, you know, could have been motivated by their desire to interfere with her rights to get medical treatment and of course, to collect disability benefits. The court denied the employer's motion for summary judgment, And let's hope that she gets her disability benefits and her medical benefits in the next round. You can see that facts matter. And each particular uh, situation is different. So the law provides the framework for the analysis for these types of uh, 510 retaliation claims. And then you have to Go through the laundry list of uh, facts, as we've discussed in, in the second segment of this podcast. And then you've got to apply the law and the facts to the case. And you can see in both of the stories I uh, told you about uh, the results of the, these particular cases. So I hope that you have enjoyed this week's uh, episode of Winning Isn't Easy. Like our page, please. Please leave a review and please share it with your friends and family. Please subscribe to this. I think this is a great educational podcast that will help you learn more about ERISA disability and medical benefits. And you're going to be notified every time that a new episode comes out. Tune in, please, for our next episode of Winning Isn't Easy. Talk to you later.